Great, and I'm delighted to be here with you all. This is a real treat for me. Um, the last time I was in a college and seminary like this was uh, last October when I was in Virginia. So we're down at Regent there with CBN people. And uh, it's always... It's always a treat to come and be with a bunch of keen, eager, young students, don't you think? So turn and smile at somebody and say, good morning, keen, eager, young person. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, it was heartwarming to realize that we're, you're in the middle of doing a series on the, on the love of God um, as a part of, I don't know, your studies and where you're, where you're at at the moment, because that's what I wanted to speak to you about this morning. I felt very much last night as I was wondering, you know, what do we say to these guys? What do they need? What do you want to say? And I just felt to talk to you for a few minutes about the Father's love, and I think we've got, I don't know, half an hour-ish. And so let's get right into it. The Father's love is very near and dear to my heart, and I can tell you our story, but first of all, let's go to uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And what version do you guys like here? Are you? We generally use NIV. But NIV? NIV. Any, any um, in the NIV, it reads like this How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know Him. And uh, the more you become like your heavenly father, the less the world recognizes you as, as a part of mainstream things. Are you okay with that? How many are? You think, I think I'm okay with that. I'd rather be identified with him than, than a failing world system. And, and most of you would, would agree with that. And... Uh, just expanding further, we go to Ephesians 3, and there's a load of scripture here. If you, if you take notes, you can write them down. I should have probably had it, had it ready for the sound desk to put it up. But Ephesians chapter 3, 17 to 19, says this. Um, Paul's explaining the mystery and uh, he wants us to be strengthened through it all. And, he, and in verse 17, it says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And I think this is an important point. Uh, we don't want to be rooted and established merely in the truth or rooted and established 
in experience or rooted in establishment and our own abilities to, you know, think our way through stuff, but rooted and grounded in love, the agape love of the Father. That you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how big this deal is. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, by the way, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So here's a question. If you get filled up with all the fullness of God, what are you going to look like? Do you think, think you look happy? Smiling even? Turn and smile at someone and just see what happens. You know, it's amazing when, when we start to even look like you tell people, hey, are you full of the joy of the Lord? And they, they say, yes, I am. And say, well, please tell your face. <laughs> this is going somewhere. This uh, journey that we are on, Christ-likeness, being filled with the Spirit, having a revelation of the Father's love, it's going somewhere. It's preparing us to be filled with all of the fullness of God. And I think the days that are just ahead of us are going to be filled with the greatest revival the world has ever seen. I just watched a clip of, of a big, big church in Ethiopia. It had to be 10,000 10, or more people. And they're all just getting absolutely hit by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you could tell by their faces that there's a big love component going on. They are realizing that God loves them and, and it's showing. So hang on to that one. And then Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37. Uh, kind of one of my favorite verses. I preach on this so often because Jesus is asked, What's the greatest commandment in the Bible? I don't know what you would say to that. If someone asked you that question, if you weren't on the love theme, you might say, well, I think it, you must be born again would certainly be one of the top right in there. What would you think? The greatest command, to love God and to love others. Yeah, but the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, is this stuff called love. And to love him who you cannot see with all your heart and all your soul, this is talking about an emotional connection. It's not talking about merely a theological understanding or a mental grasp and concept of how big and wise and wonderful he is but to love him with all of your heart and all of your soul, and yes, all your mind, is a goal here. And uh, I often set that off against the Great Commission, which is go into all the world and preach the gospel to everything that moves. And so what does it look like 
when you're off on the Great Commission, but you don't have the Great Commandment down yet. Um, it looks like something's not quite right here because people can sense when you really care about them or when they're somehow a project of yours. And so our, our task is to get filled up with the love of God that we might be filled with all the fullness of God and then from there... Uh, go out and, and try and win the lost, among other things, and disciple the nations. And I worked out a while ago that we're, we're kind of on three journeys here, not just one, personally. And the first one is for me, in this case, for you. Because you are important. Don't ever let anyone tell you you're not important you're so important that Jesus came for you and died for you to rescue and redeem you. So that means you, you are of great worth. Tell the person next to you, you're very worthy and very important to God. So that inward journey has to include salvation, of course, but then the sanctification process where you and I become more and more like him, that's very important. And what that means in a word is good stuff in and bad stuff out. So all the fear, shame, pain, anger, hurt, unforgiveness, etc., that needs to go. And in its place comes the love, the joy, the peace, the satisfaction, the knowledge, the revelations, and the intimate incredible relationship that he wants all of us to have. That's for you, personally. Then the next thing is for him. What's in this for God? Did you ever ask that question? God, what do you get out of all this? Well, he gets you. Lucky him, right? He gets you. And, but when he sees you growing in his likeness and in his values and in his purposes. Uh, he has the heart of a father and that blesses him immeasurably. And he wants to be able to say, this is my beloved son and daughter and or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And the third journey is the outward journey now where now this is our mission in life. And we are going after the lost, we're discipling the nations, we're helping the down and out, the poor, the this and that, and we're rescuing the youth. And, and it's our mission in life. And that's equally as important. And I think a healthy Christian life is perhaps spending equal time in all those three sectors. But this is focusing on us now having a revelation of the Father's love. And um, he really, really wants you to get it. How many want to get it? All right, next verse is Matthew eleven twenty-seven, And this is a challenging verse. Jesus makes a statement, all things have been committed to me by my Father, 
No one knows the son except the father. So that's, that's saying, well, wait a minute, I know Jesus. Yeah, but you don't know him like the father knows him. The father knows him totally. And no one else could say that. The father knows the son totally. And then he says, and no one knows the father except the son. And then this is what was challenging. And those to who the son chooses to reveal him. And here, here's an, an opportunity that's withheld for a while to see who's going to press in on these kinds of things. And when I understood that, I put both hands up and I said, Lord, pick me, pick me. And then I realized, though, over time that I was really already on the journey. And I'd had some revelations of the Father's love and didn't, didn't really know how to articulate it and talk about it. But just, just for further thought, uh, how many of you want the, the Lord Jesus to reveal the love of the Father to you in a greater way? Because you're not going to get it all at once, I don't think. In a greater way, come on. Yes? Well, we'll start with this. John 17, 24 tells us really that the, the Trinity is held together by a love relationship. It's interesting trying to get your head around the Trinity. You get three persons so united in love that they function essentially as one. And, you know, we can have examples like a triangle or this or that. But um, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Wow, what a promise. The love of God and the love of Jesus would be in you and I. I, I just take a lot of hope from that. And so... John 14 and, and verse 23 is an invitation. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him or her. Now think about that. If anyone loves me, I think if I asked each one of you, do you love the Lord this morning? You would probably say, well, yes, I do. Why do you think I'm here? Um, the answer is yes. We do love you, Lord, but we want to love you more. We want that love to take on a life, to take on a deeply satisfying relationship that's reciprocating back and forth with you. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. It would just be our pleasure to do what he asks us to do. My father will love him, and then we will come to him and make our home with him. So by the Spirit now, and by faith, you and I have 
the Father and the Son, and we know from other scriptures, and the Holy Spirit living within you. Is that going to make a difference? What do you think? Is that going to make a difference about what movies you watch and what words you say and the conversations you engage in? Hopefully this is going to be a very life-giving dynamic in each and every one of us to the point where we begin to call him daddy. And there's a couple of great scriptures on this, but Mark 14, verse 36. Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He calls him Abba, Father. Abba, the Hebrew Aramaic word for daddy. Uh, You know, daddy is more of an intimate term rather than a formal word, father. In, in, the, in the Greek, they use both. Abba, pater, daddy God, daddy father. All things are possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. It really struck me that Jesus was able to call him daddy. I remember doing meetings in Turkey a while back, We were doing one of our leader schools, and I wanted to talk to them about the Father's love and this idea of of a term of endearment and intimacy to be able to call him Abba or Daddy. And I found out in their language, there's no word for Daddy. Everything was the formal word, Father, and that was it. And so when we use the word father, it's, it seems to me have a bit of distance in that word, you know, father, and then here, here we are. But when it's daddy, now it's more of a relational word. You're my daddy, you're close to me. There's trust built there, and we have much more of an intimate relationship. So my beginning on this journey went something like this. See, years ago, do you guys know of Catherine Coleman and her ministry? Anybody heard of her? Catherine Coleman, she was a fantastic woman of God who, who really carried the, the message of the Father's love in a measure, but then was known for mighty signs of wonders and miracles that happened in her meeting. And I was a great fan of hers. I'd never seen anything like it as a young Christian. And what I liked about her was that she wasn't condemning in her approach. <coughs> Excuse me. She, she was very inviting. So you never got from her, like, what's the matter with you, you miserable Christian? You, why don't you pray more? Why don't you give more? Why don't you read the Bible more? Why don't you serve the Lord more? Why, why aren't you doing better, but it was more of an invitation to discover who he really is, and uh, as you got to know him, it just released you to be much more of everything, and so I found out there was a conference going on in Jerusalem, and this is way back before any of you were born. This is 1974, 
And I went along to that conference because she was one of the speakers. And I was so pumped about it, I went on a three-week water fast because I wanted to be ready, you know, to go into the Holy Land. Wow, let's meet God over there somehow. And so we're into the conference, and uh, it, was a, it was a charismatic conference, and they had people of every stream up on the platform. And I was coming from a Baptist background, and as it turned out, quite judgmental about the theology of other people. And um, my first thought was, all those men in black on the platform, what are they doing up there? They're probably not even saved, most of them. And that kind of a thing. Well, then, this man named David Duplessis got up. And if you don't know who he is, he was a Pentecostal, but a pioneer in taking the experience of the Holy Spirit to the various denominations, like the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, and even the Catholics. And so these people were getting an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and that's why they were at this meeting. And he, it was as though I had a big target on my chest, because he was just striking me with arrow after arrow. And he's like, some of you are here sitting here in judgment about others who are different from you. And my question for you, and he's preaching from John 17, is why can't you love them? because they're just walking in the only light they have. And like you, they, they, as light gets brighter, you know, their theology will change and accommodate the revelations that you get along the way. But my question is, why can't you love them? And friends, what happened to me that day, I, I think in part I was weak from three weeks of fasting, but I got undone publicly. Now, what does that look like? That looked like me sobbing and wailing uncontrollably, which is completely out of my character. I'm sure my wife would tell you. But that's what happened to me that day. I just was so undone. The guy I was with is kind of disting himself from me, like, I don't know who that is at all. <laughs> but um, then we would tour some of the sites and, and time for bed. And as I got to the hotel room, I could not sleep. I would just be lying there thinking about all this stuff. God, I'm full of judgments towards others, and oh, I need you in my heart, and things like that, tears streaming down my face. And I, I remember suddenly these waves of love would begin to come over me. And, just, and it just brought such peace, and it was so amazing. And, but then another wave would come, and then another wave would come. And this happened night after night for about five nights, six to seven nights, all the whole time we were there. And I think I got probably five or six hours total sleep that week, because every night it was the same thing. And I remember thinking, God, if one more wave comes over me, I'm not going to live through it. But I did live through it. And it did come, and I did live through it. But it put a deposit in my heart that, wow, that we, we've got to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, if you'd asked me right after that, what happened to you? 
I didn't have language for it. I would have said something like, well, the love of Jesus just came and overwhelmed me as I was there and thinking about where he was crucified and where he walked and where he taught this and that and the other. And it wasn't until 10 years later when, when Carol and I had started our first church in her hometown of Stratford, Ontario, that um, we had a YWAM speaker come named Jack Winter. And Jack's whole topic was what he called the father heart of God. And so these friends said, why don't you have Jack come and, and have him talk? I said, sure. What, what does he talk about? Well, he talks about the father heart of God. And I'm like, the Father, heart of God, what do you mean by that? Well, you know that God is a father, he, has a, he cares and all this and that. And I just couldn't get it. And finally, say, he talks about the love of God. Oh, I get that. God is love. I understand that. Okay, fine, let's have him. And he, he Jack came and I'll never forget it. He was like a shorter man. He had glasses down on his nose and... Uh, his readers were down here somewhere. And he began reading my favorite text in all scripture, John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, and I'm looking forward to that day, by the way, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. Well, Thomas interrupts him. Wait a minute, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And, and Jesus said, well, I'm the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the light. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And Jack stopped reading with that verse, and he looked up over his glasses, and he said, so where are we going? I said, we're going to heaven, Jack. Okay. Somebody else said, yeah, we're, we're going to eternal life. All right. But what does it say? And he says, let's read it again. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And then he looked up and he says, we're going to the Father. And you know, I had a moment right there that on the inside I'm saying, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to go to the Father? He'll put me under a microscope and point out about a thousand things that are still the matter with me. You know, I was happy to go be with Jesus and happy to hang out with the Holy Spirit a little bit, but I didn't want to go to the Father. And he took the rest of that passage and unpacked that Jesus is saying, well, I'm, I'm the, the great reflection of what the Father's really like. I and the Father are one. The works I do, they're not my works, but they're the works of him who sent me. And the words that I say, they're not my words, but they're the, 
They're the words that the Father gives me to say. And it was a revelation to me, friends. And so the encounter from 10 years previous was connected with the, with the theology that he brought out from John chapter 14. And I realized that all the reasons I loved Jesus were reason for me now to equally love the Father. And from that moment on, I, even though I was Trinitarian in name only, I became much more Trinitarian in practice, having that revelation that I want a relationship with my Heavenly Father, my Abba. I want a relationship with Jesus, my Savior. And I want a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, who's with me and in me. And it just seemed to make such sense. It was an aha moment for me. And that changed everything. And I would say, Carol and I, you know, practiced on all those poor people in Stratford for the better part of 12 years. And we learned some important things about the Father's love and how, how we need that revelation to go deep within our hearts so that we stop acting like spiritual orphans who have to do it all by ourselves. And we have a Father who opens the door and opens the way for us with the work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus within us. So that's kind of what got me going on all of that. And uh, I want you to realize that his intent is for you to have a revelation of the Father's love. And I feel to say, friends, don't be afraid of experience. Experience, a good experience, a godly experience, is a good thing. The Bible here, uh, a paper Bible, do you remember these? Anybody? <laughs> uh, this is a book of experiences. The experiences of its leading characters where they encountered God in a very real way and wrote it down, wrote about it. And so um, I'm encouraging you to seek after an encounter of the Father's love. John 16, 26 and 7, he says, In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I'll ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you. Now let that sink in a minute. The Father himself loves you. Can you share that with someone close to you? Just tell them, remind them. The Father himself. I know Jesus loves you, but now the Father himself loves you. And it's because you believed that he came from God. Wow. So that was worth coming out already this morning, just to take that away with you. John 17, 23 and 24. I and them, you and me. You know, it's just, John 17 is such a powerful chapter. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Catherine Kuhlman 
referencing the Psalms, would say he will share the glory with no human being. So when people start to take credit and glory for themselves, it's almost a watch out kind of a moment for them. But yet here Jesus is saying, I want to share the glory with you. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now that is one powerful statement right there. Um, I want you to think about the Father loving you as he loves Jesus. If ever there was something that's going to turn you around, that's, that could be it right there. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And in conclusion, let's go to Romans 5.5. 5. A couple of scriptures in Romans. This tells us that this revelation needs to come to us by the Holy Spirit. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love where? Into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given us. So Lord, how do we encounter the love of God? It's going to come to you by the Holy Spirit. And here's where it gets tangible. Because we don't see him. It's hard to fall in love with someone you don't see. Have you ever thought about that? Um, we have a, a little girl who is uh, our prayer coordinator. She's been doing this for ever since she was 16, and she's, she's 30 now. And so I'm always trying to find her a really nice guy, you know. And so we, we brought along, with, we, on a recent trip to Mexico, we brought a, a, a young man, a musician and businessman from Raleigh with us, with the hope that they would meet each other and something would connect, you know. And I tried once before and over the phone and, and got them texting, but he made the comment, you know what, I really can't do a long distance relationship. I need to meet people like face to face that I can see and appreciate and hold hands and all that. So we arranged that this time and it seems to be working. But we have that with the Lord, don't we? But here's the good news. By the Holy Spirit, you can feel him. And you, you can feel his closeness and you can feel his touch. And you, you, can, you can hear his whispers. And so we want to cultivate that personal relationship with God, realize Realizing it's taking us right into this whole thing of the Father's love. And so, by the Holy Spirit, who he has given us, 
And then a final verse, Romans 8. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Father. And other passages, most other translations say, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. So I'd like to pray that within your heart there would rise a hunger to say, Lord, I want to be one of those to whom Jesus reveals the Father's love. And it'll probably happen as an emotional impact as well. Because that's what love is, you know. Can you imagine being in love with someone, but there's no emotion attached to it? If you suck all of the feelings out of this stuff called love, what have you got left? Just kind of, mm, very sterile, very unemotional, very unappealing, actually. Because by mere definition, love is feelings that are reciprocated back and forth between two people who are growing in their relationship and their appreciation for one another. And that's what the Father is wanting with each of us. So let's stand together, shall we? Lord, I have to say I'm so deeply grateful that you're a God of love. You're not the big cop in the sky that many of us thought initially. But you're a loving father who so loved the world you gave your only son to die, to pay our debt, to shed his blood. And the prince of glory died to pay the debt of the whole world, at least whosoever will, and say, I need a savior but it was your idea, it was your concept, it was your first move, Lord. And so even the message of the cross is not the most fundamental message in our faith, but the most bedrock fundamental message where we want to be rooted and grounded in this stuff. That message is the message of the Father's love. And Lord, I pray for these precious young people and students here. I pray that they will develop a hunger and a thirst for the revelation by the Spirit of the fact that they're no longer orphans in a spiritual sense, but they're sons and daughters of the God of love who loved them so much he went to the ultimate extreme of having his only begotten son die for them, and pay their debt. So I bless them all. In Jesus' mighty name, I bless you with a hunger and a thirst for more. Lord, let more come. You said, how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so we're asking you for more today. We want a deeper and more satisfying relationship with our heavenly daddy 
so that we can truly get rooted and grounded in this love that surpasses knowledge and everything else and that we can enter into the fullness of life and ministry and relationship that you have for each one. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, all.